This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for Warriors This Week. Curry with the catch. Curry, step back, jump around the way. Good at the buzzer! Ball game over! Now, here's John Dickinson. Yeah, welcome in. Good Saturday morning to you. It's John Dickinson. It's Dan Devone here for the next three hours at 95.7 The Game, 9 a.m. until noon. It's Warriors this week. We're off and running, and uh, Devone, the Warriors off and running through nine games now, seven of those away from Chase Center. Things are about to change as far as the schedule goes, and that's going to begin tonight with the first of six for the Dubs on the home floor, but the Warriors getting it done on the road to begin this season, 5-2 and two away from Chase Center after just 11 wins in the regular season last year. This year ain't last year, Devone. Good, good to be with you, my man, and uh, the Warriors continuing to, at least early on, prove that point. Yeah, and I think the, the loss against Denver is unlike a year ago. Typically when they would come back from a road trip, you know, you're, you're on that plane ride and you're just like, wow, how did this happen? We got smoked again. They won only 11 times. And you're trying to gather yourself before, you know, beginning a lengthy homestand, which starts tonight against Cleveland and then Minnesota. Oh, by the way, I want to get into Minnesota. What a scary team they're turning out to be. But I digress. Yeah, it's, you know, this year, despite the two losses, one of which was to Cleveland and the loss to, to Denver, there's still a sense of, you know, we held the champs to basically, you know, came down to a one-possession game, and if it wasn't for a couple of bad calls, and you can always point fingers at, at various things throughout the contest, it was, if you believe in these sort of things, it was sort of a feel-good loss if, uh, you know, if you're willing to swallow something like that, but a completely different culture from a year ago. Yeah, and, and look, the Warriors' bench in that game got them back in the game and, and dominated Denver's bench. I think, you know, as we start to look outward at future matchups, and the Warriors didn't have Draymond Green in the, in the game on Wednesday night. The, the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray, which is obviously a, a huge, huge deal. And Warriors also didn't have Gary Payton the second, who, who's, you know, as impactful as any defender that Golden State has on their roster. So, you know, both teams can play the, well, we didn't have this guy or that guy game, but uh, the Warriors bench got them back in the game. I really didn't think the Warriors played all that well in, in the game on Wednesday. And, and you know, neither did Denver. I, I think they would tell you. Jokic always ends up getting his numbers. I thought the Warriors, it's funny, I in-game, and I talked about this a little bit on Warriors Wrap-Up, in game, I thought the Warriors really made Jokic work, you know. But you look up at the stat line at the end of the night, and it's thirty-five, thirteen. He didn't have quite the assist numbers that 
I think he and the Nuggets like. He like they like to have him getting everybody else involved. Only five assists, had some turnovers, and really it boiled down to when you look at the line, he took a bunch of threes and he didn't make any. Well, one of eight for, from three point range. He kind of still had his way on the interior, which which he has the ability to do. But uh, yeah, I, I think all in all, and I was thinking about this before the show, Dan. You love where the Warriors are at. I think at six and three. And and I was thinking, you know, what were the pivot point games early in the year? And you know, losing to Denver, back end of a road trip, before you come home, you're playing all these different games in all these different cities. I, I can throw that one out the window. Cleveland looks like a difficult matchup. We'll see the Warriors and Cavs again tonight, just because of the Cavaliers' size. Is there an adjustment that can be made there for the Warriors from you know, playing them what six nights ago in Cleveland? But I, I look at the home game against Sacramento. I look at the Oklahoma City win that, that we talked about a ton on last week's show because it was a week ago Friday, and then just the ability to not slip up after you lose in Cleveland and handle business at Detroit. There were points in that game where it looked like it was going to get a little dicey for, for the Warriors, but they were able to hold their mud in that game, win that game, and to me, th- those are the three wins. That, that Sacramento game, Clay Thompson hits the shot. The OKC game, the Warriors are able to execute down the stretch and, and make a couple key defensive stops. They get the bucket on the on the Draymond uh, put back that that wasn't uh, on the Curry floater uh, with the you know wiped away goaltending. And now you look up and and you know if this team is going to be as good as they were or close to as good as they were on the home floor this season. They got a real opportunity to make some hay, and then you'll figure out the you know, Denver matchup in the playoffs and all of that stuff down the line. Yeah, this is something you got to take advantage of. Now, we don't want to just play under the assumption because they were so good a year ago at home, and typically they are good when they're playing at Chase. That these, you know, this is going to be a five and one homestand again. You know, while you're home for an extended period of time, these are formidable opponents. And while the Cleveland Cavaliers have made stride again, Minnesota, my goodness, a lot of people have them as the sexy pick coming out of the West this year. And again, we can dive into them a little bit later in the show. But I would add to that, you know, you talked about significant wins. Again, you never want to be one of those that that walks away from a loss and, and feel too good about it. But I had the feeling, as I'm sure a lot of others, that that was a scheduled loss, all right? You're playing the defending champs, and not only that, you're doing that at Denver, which is a difficult place to win a game. And it just had the sense in the first, I'd say, five to six minutes that this is a blowout. Not Denver was going to run away and hide. It just seemed low energy. Draymond wasn't there. Steph certainly wasn't getting on track in that first five minutes, that first half. And it just, you felt as though this was Denver, but it's okay. You know, it's a four game road trip. This is Denver. And for them to stay close. And I think to keep the Nuggets to within 108, and I think more than anything else, it's the defense that's returned. If, I, if you were to ask me what jumps out and what's different about this team as opposed to years past. And the one thing that sometimes always gets overlooked but always was evident with the Golden State Warriors during their dynastic run was the defense. You had the Splash Brothers doing their thing, Kevin Arant when he was here. Everybody focuses on offense, but they were either one or two or in the top five defensively during those championship runs. And it looks as though, and it might be a little bit premature, not only do you have a bench, but you have defense. And when you have defense, you're always going to have a puncher's chance. And it keeps you close, and I think that was the case with Denver. Again, amassing only 108 points, 
And the Warriors were always in striking difference because I think that defensive component has returned to the team. Yeah, there there is more of a, a defensive identity, I think a competitiveness on, on that end to where you're not going to play well every night defensively, but you can at least compete on, on defense and, and you know, prevent yourself from you know, some of the, the big runs that allow games to get away. The Warriors gave up a lot of... A lot of big runs last year on the road, you know, stretches where they just couldn't score and they're kicking the ball around. I think offense also plays into the defense with this team because they're not turning the ball over. I think for the most part oh, yeah. they're taking a lot better shots than they did. And and you know how many times last year, especially at this point last year, as the Warriors were struggling mightily away, would it be? Three, four, just of the worst turnovers you'd ever see in a row, and and then an inability to get back in transition defense, and all of a sudden it's a fourteen to four run, and and a game that was tied, you're down ten, and it's almost lights out. You almost need a, a perfect quarter or perfect performance down the stretch to win that game. I, I think the offense for the Warriors, while it hasn't always been fluid and there have been times where it's been Steph Curry is is the man and everybody else is just kind of doing their part and I think you know night in night out over 82 that can be a little bit more difficult to rely on when when it's it's one guy and you're looking for two or three different guys each night although Clay Thompson I think has been pretty steady in the positive light although his numbers have not been gaudy uh, but I, I think the offense has led to defense uh, to, to better defense because they're not putting themselves in position where they're giving up so many easy baskets and they're just so out of position based on really shot turnovers which I think this team had a bunch of them and and actual turnovers and and live ball turnovers that lead to layups and dunks and easy buckets on the other end. You know, you talked about Steph Curry, and that really is, I think, something that that you want to keep an eye on going forward because this team cannot be one-dimensional. And as good as things have been thus far, relying on Steph Curry as much as they do and did last year, the feeling I got just immediately as they, you know, they got to the second round and were out after six games with the Los Angeles Lakers was they need more. They just need more offensively. This is Steph, and they go as far as Steph will take them. Now, back in the day, Clay Thompson would offset a lot of that. You had Kevin Durant. They have become about as one-dimensional of a basketball team. And again, I think a lot of this gets back to what I was saying earlier, that when defensively you can keep things within reach, that's okay. But I, I, I don't know that this is sustainable if somebody doesn't rear their head and take away or at least offset some of that scoring and, of course, the slow start to Andrew Wiggins has a lot to do with that. Clay Thompson, you've talked about how efficient Clay Thompson is. My goodness, his, I, I think that over the offseason, the fact that he either heard the criticism or was talked to or just seeped in him hunting shots. Remember that this time last year, trying to get on track? It was awful. Oh, my I goodness. Mean, it was awful. And, and I think you know this year so far, Dan, it's been a scenario where Clay's just he's letting the game come to him more. He, he mm. might take a bad shot here or there, but like you can live with and we talk I just used the last game as an example. You can live with Clay Thompson going, you know, 5 of 12. You can live with Clay Thompson going, yeah, uh, it, his bad nights being 5 of 12 or 4 of 11. You can live with that as opposed to it felt like last year the five the five of twelves were turning into six of eighteens, and it was just you know or seven of nineteens, and and that just 
that just didn't going to cut it because a lot of those misses, when those shots are not going in, lead to those opportunities. They, they, uh, really, a lot of his misses are shot turnovers mm-hmm. when, he's, when he's in that mindset uh, and he's not hitting. Obviously, there's nights where he is going to be hitting at a high level as one of the greatest shooters of all time. But no, I, I, I know a lot of people are thinking, you know, and, and Clay's still averaging 16 and a half points per game, but I, I love the way Clay Thompson's played to, to this point th- this season. I, I think he's been steady defensively. I think he's, you know, again, there's been games where the shot's been there, but he he's keeping the ball moving and, you know, taking the right shots. And I, I, I just think this Warriors team's playing a lot more disciplined than they were a year ago. But I think it gets back to what it is that I was talking about, and that is his shots per game are down considerably, which is Big time. I, I think the message is he understands. And I love it when he's in the mid-range and his mid-range jump shot and that Jimmy is just so – it is such a beautiful thing to watch. If if he's was to never shoot a three again, I know that sounds ridiculous. I would have no issue with it. But Clay Thompson, <laughs> I don't know about that. No. I'm not, not going to go that far, Dan. <laughs> when he's down to like twelve or thirteen shots, but I guess JD, it gets back to okay. I, I, you love the efficiency now with Clay being so much more judicious with his shot selection. But again, if he's low volume in shots, and Andrew Wiggins is being Andrew Wiggins. Well, who then is going? Because no, what is it? No starter has twenty or more points to this point in the season is is sort of eye popping. But who is it that's going to alleviate the scoring duties from one Steph Curry going forward? All right, he's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. We'll open up the phone lines eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero Comcast Business Text Line as well. It's Warriors this week as we are with you here until noon on ninety five seven. The game as we do this each and every Saturday morning, talking Dubs basketball. The six game homestand begins tonight, and you're right, uh, it is uh, a doozy at, at different points here. Kind of a kind of a mixed bag. Cleveland, obviously, we know what they're capable of. Gets this thing tipped off tonight, five thirty tip here on ninety five seven the game and then Minnesota playing as well as anybody in the Western Conference Warriors are going to play them twice the little two-game mini-series Minnesota out here on the West Coast so they will play Sunday and Tuesday uh, both of those games and I I think Tuesday we won't get lost in the weeds I think Tuesday is one of those in-season tournament games there was a another in-season tournament game last night in the Warriors bracket uh, with Sacramento getting the jump on on Oklahoma City so OKC Dan I don't know if you're following OKC's and two now in the uh, in the in the group play portion of the, the the Warriors group. We'll keep everybody updated on that. I'm kind of kidding around right now, uh, but yeah, two against Minnesota and then two against the Thunder uh, for the Warriors uh, as they'll go at it uh, at Chase Center next Thursday and Saturday. And then the Rockets, who have been a team that's actually been one of the little surprise teams, they got off to a, a, a poor start. The Rockets did, uh, but they've now won five in a row. They were they were zero and three. And looking awful, they got Sacramento a couple of times without De'Aaron Fox last weekend and, and thumped the Kings twice, and then they thumped the Lakers after that, came back and, and beat the Pelicans last night. So that they're playing well, and that's uh, coming up a week from Monday back into that homestand. I want to go back to what you were talking about uh, just with – the, and, and you had the note, and I looked no, – no other starter has had 20 or more other than Curry in, in, in the first nine games – uh, Dario Saric was the the one player that that did have twenty, but the balance has been there, yeah. and and you know that's the thing. And and I think as we start to move outward and look at 
kind of what do you make of the the nine game start? Because I think there are boxes to be checked on the positive side as this homestand begins. I think there still are some concerns. I don't want to you know sit here and, and act like the Warriors have everything dialed. They they've won a couple of close games that if they hadn't won. Maybe we would be having a different conversation if this team was five and four or four and five. I think we absolutely would. But you know, Andrew Wiggins hasn't played well, and the Warriors are still six and three and five and two on the road. I think that's actually a positive sign. Uh, I, I think you know, Jonathan Kaminga has helped them in stretches scoring the basketball, and he's been one of those players. I think at a little under thirteen, where you know he hasn't played as well as his scoring average would would tell you. He really hadn't done a lot of other things. But he's gotten some key buckets, in particular in second halves, after some bad starts to games in the first half to where the Warriors have have needed him. So I don't think Kaminga has been anywhere near his best, but he's still done enough in portions of these games to, to help them win. And I feel like that's been the line up and down the board. But then when you look at the numbers and you separate yourself from it, the bench numbers have been outstanding, top to bottom. And it's been led by Chris Paul, and and it hasn't been the same players every single night. One night it might be Saric, another night it might be Kaminga. Uh, Chris Paul's right in the middle of of everything. GP2's doing what what he has to do. And you look up, and, and the Warriors, I think bench connectivity you know these guys for the most part are used to playing together i think a lot of other teams in the league are trying to figure out their bench at the beginning of seasons you know fa- either failed starters or rookie you know younger players that they're trying to get more of a, a role carved out for you know i like denver's doing that uh, at, right now you know denver's a team that that is not as deep as they were last year and the warriors just obliterated them in in terms of of bench scoring and so that's a little subtle portion of the game that the Warriors were losing a lot that now they're not losing, and it gives Steph extra opportunities now and the starters to win a lot of these games in the second half and down the stretch. This might be the deepest bench, potentially, because, again, we have to remind ourselves this is just a snapshot of the season. We're only nine games in. But potentially the deepest bench that Steph, Clay, and Steve Kerr has ever had, and that's, that's certainly saying a lot. The the question then becomes once you get into this is because I hear this from time to time that you know when you get to the back end that Jonathan Kaminga and Moody need more time. I'm not sure that Kaminga's ready to jump anybody when you're talking about because I think JD, when I look at the bench, I see a solid eight. Okay. The sixth man clearly is going to be Chris Paul. And then after that is GP two. You you feel yep. good about that. You feel pretty comfortable with those guys coming in and getting their steady minutes. And then simply because he's a veteran and he has a high basketball IQ, Dario Saric, I think, is is number eight. I, I don't see Kaminga at this point or Moody jumping either of those guys. And, and correct me if if I'm wrong or how you feel about that. Well I think they're I think they're all gonna play yeah. on it you know at this point. So I, I think it you know and they've all brought different things to the table. I, I do think, yeah, if, if you really have to put a number to it Chris Paul's the six. I do think Peyton's the seven. I I think you, you could make a case if Kaminga and and Saric are, are eight nine. But however you want to however you want to put it, and, and look in a lot of these games, Moody's been better than Kaminga. And, and if you want to count Moody as the ten, to me it's more about the fact that the Warriors know on a night in night out basis who their ten is going to be. 
And it, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. And I know we can quibble about Andrew Wiggins hasn't been good, and they haven't had secondary scoring from any one particular player. Steph's been out of this world. You know, Draymond's been in and out of the lineup. Like we can quibble about the little things that each individual player has or hasn't brought to the table. Really, with the exception of Steph, who's been phenomenal. But the Warriors know their five, really six with Chris Paul because he's been out there finishing, and then they know their next five. Uh, with, with and so so to me, just knowing who that is, and, and having the rotation pretty consistent. I think Steve Kerr has basically used the same rotation. Although the Warriors have had some different starting lineups, he's used the same rotation of ten the whole year. And then you pepper in a Trace Jackson Davis if if somebody's out. And so so to me, that that's the ideal way you want to run your rotation. If you're an NBA head coach, you want to know your five. Have really three or three more you absolutely trust, but a group of five that you can trust to be out there together, and then you go eleven and twelve deep when you need to. Trace Jackson Davis becomes somebody who played well against Denver the other night again when he's getting opportunities to play. He's looked pretty good, but Trace Jackson Davis is your eleven or your third big or your guy that's going to pop into the rotation immediately when any of your other bigs are out, like Draymond Green was the other night. So, like to me that. That's a luxury to have him as like your 11, and then Pajemski even as your 12 is all right. You've got a you know, Gary Payton's out, so now Pajemski's going to play, and you're confident that that those two rookies can play a, a little bit. Again, not going to be playing a ton on a night in night out bit, but Trace Jackson Davis 18 minutes, Pajemski had 11, and so you, you look at it, and I think the Warriors they know their top 12, which I think is is excellent, and it puts them ahead of where they've been. I think in recent years, and it puts them ahead of other teams, that when you watch the league, and I was watching a lot of games last night, it was a, a big night, a lot of teams can't figure out what their bench wants or, or needs to be. So the Warriors are ahead of the game, I think, from the jump, even though they're getting varying degrees of production from individual players up and down the line. Yeah, well, typically, this time of the year, you're trying to find rotations, you're tinkering with the bench, you're trying to find out you know, the best assembled pieces when you put them in a game and who plays best with whomever. And so, I mean, think about this a year ago. When the Golden State Warriors had to sub out, it wasn't Chris Paul and it wasn't, you know, the likes of Sarich and company. It was, it was Anthony Lamb and Jermichael Green and Ty Jerome. So just to sort of shine a light on how different a year makes... I do want to get back to just sort of the rotation. And the reason why I bring up Jonathan Kaminga, because again, to me, and, and I know that I might be back on, you know, Dan Bone's Island of One, but I still think that Jonathan Kaminga, for the Warriors to really be relevant, and one of those teams that you're saying, okay, another NBA championship is certainly within your midst this year, and you can dethrone Denver. I think that he has got to leapfrog and be potentially your number seven or even your number six coming off that bench because he's got to unlock that athleticism. It's not there yet. He's still dribbling into traffic. The rebounds are still sort of a head scratch with all that athleticism and that size. But if he becomes the sort of player that Steve Kerr says, you're now in my rotation and you're going to be six or seven off the bench because you're playing that well and I have that much confidence in you, not only in the offensive end, but on the defensive end, then I think the Warriors really become an even more relevant team when you're talking about winning a title. And just really quick on the back end, while I agree with you, 
When I see Trace Jackson Davis, like a lot of people, I just get that tease of, wow, young and athletic. And is there any way this guy can see the floor aside from that of an injury to Looney and or Draymond Green? Because I know there's got to be a sense of Warrior fans that are out there, like, really, this guy's going to go DMP until somebody goes down? Is there any way he sees more run, even with everybody at, at, at full strength? I think it's possible. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's a, a, a guy that's not necessarily going to play every night if, if everybody's healthy. I, and we've seen it. There were a couple games where Steve Kerr didn't use him in the first half and then did use him in the second half. Yeah. It's not going to be 20 minutes a game, probably, but it might be a five-minute shift to tr- change the complexion of the game here or there. And, and look, Steve Kerr, just because you don't play in the first half doesn't mean you're not going to play in the second half. And, you know, always be ready. And so I, I think he's done that a couple of times with the with the rotation, but I I don't think we're going to see a scenario where he's just taking somebody's spot unless and and again we we talked about Kaminga and I'm I'm not it's funny we 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 discussed this last week uh, I've been one of the guys in the Bay that's sort of gotten the knock of being down on Jonathan <laughs> Kaminga right because and you know was unplayable in the playoffs and all that stuff, and I was the first one to say it, and, and rightfully so, and people were screaming at me like, no, you got to give this guy a million different opportunities. It's like, no, this is the playoffs. If he plays another freaking second, you guys are losing in five to Sacramento. And so, but I'm not down on Kaminga at all. Like, I, I think he hasn't played. I don't think he's played great, but I think he has. Like, I'm not looking for the – I don't need the high end from Kaminga. And he still is their third-leading scorer. So he's scored – even though it hasn't always been efficient, and even though he hasn't really brought much other t- things to the table that I think the Warriors want, it, he he's felt almost like a bucket getter when he's been out there. He's really taken a lot of shots. It's like it, almost like he feels like that's his like they've t- green lighted him to go you know go, go go get yours you know go look to score. We're, you know, so again, do you want that? I think they're giving him every opportunity to try and be a scorer uh, to this point. At least it's looked that way. I, again, I'm not uh, down on Kaminga, but I just don't have the – the reason I'm not down on him is because of the same things that people have been critical of me before in the past. It's the fact that I'm not expecting this major jump this year. I just want him to be a, a capable rotation player. And again, not an indictment of what he becomes later on in his career. I always feel like I have to say that. He may go on to be a, a an all-star type player and somebody that's a foundational piece that you can build around. But he's still, what, 21? And it just to, to think that he's going to just start cooking people and being a major part of the big, you know, the big, you know, core group, I, I think it's just a little bit premature. And, and you know, along those lines, and Dory will get to you after the break. I was going to sneak you in before, but uh, we got Dory on the phone lines. I want to. I want to make sure we stay on on time and everything, and give Dory his his opportunity to weigh in here at eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. But you know, you hear the whispers of, well, do you do you flip Kaminga and Wiggins? No, you don't flip Kaminga and Wiggins right no. now because Kaminga is playing well in his role, and Wiggins has got to freaking figure it out. And you're winning. You're six and three. So. It's like I don't think Kaminga has played well enough to where you're like even as poorly as Wiggins has played, you feel like you have to make some kind of a switch, you know, at, at that point. So I'm not down on Kaminga, and you know, to your point, I do think he's been impactful in terms of not gaudy numbers, but he's still averaging 
what, 12.4, and the Warriors have needed it, and there's been a few nights where I don't think Kaminga's played all that well, and you look up at the end of the night, and he's got 12 or 14 or 19. And so I think you know that's been a subtlety as to why this Warriors team has, has been able to have the record that they do. It's it's that they're winning even though it hasn't been perfect, probably the, the simplest way to put it. All right, he's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570. We'll come back. We'll get to the phone lines. Just your biggest concerns to this point, but also how you feeling about the 6-3 and three as the Warriors homestand tips off tonight against the Cavs, and we'll have it all right here for you on 95.7 The Game. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, John Dickinson and Dan Devone. 888-957-9570. It's Warriors this week. Dubs are 6-3, and 5-2 and two on the road. Six-game homestand begins tonight. Uh, what do you say we get to the phone lines, my man? Let's do it. Let's get to Dory. Dory gets us tipped off here on Warriors this week here on a Saturday. Dory in San Francisco uh, on with J.D. and Devone. Hey, Dory. Hey, J.D. and Dan. Um, nice to be tipping it off. Um before I get to a question about Jackson Davis, I want to follow up on J.K. just a little bit. Uh, I mean, to me, he's been an enigma because for I, it's so you know super early, but the majority of the games he's been horrendous in the first half, yes. and it's completely flipped flipped it in the second half, and it's been awesome. So that points to something mental <laughs> that that um, you know. So I don't know how to view that, but. Certainly, he's not getting discouraged, and he's able to make adjustments. So, so I wanted to just you know make that observation. But I have a question about Jackson Davis. Uh, Tim Kamakami, Tim Kamakami had a mailbag, and someone asked, "How the hell did the Warriors get him at number fifty-seven?" And I didn't understand Tim's answer. So I'll read it to you. <laughs> it's two sentences. It says, "Sure, 
Jack Davis's agent, who's the brother of Mike Dunleavy, right? James Dunleavy. So Mike knew that they were going to offer him a two-year deal. So the agent knew that. So because the Warriors would give him a multi-year deal, which is so unusual in the second round, he says the teams picking ahead of 57 weren't going to give Jackson Davis a multi-year deal because they were told to pass. So if I'm a team in the second round and I like Jackson Davis and I'm picking before the Warriors, what do I care that he's, they're going to give him a two-year deal? Don't I have every right to give him a one-year deal and just say, you're playing for us? You do, Dory. Absolutely. And But, again, that's kind of how the game is played in the NBA, and, and, and thank you for the call. You know That kind of stuff goes on a lot, especially during the draft, where you'll have agents say, hey, you know, this guy doesn't want to play here, or he's not going to be happy, or we have a promise from somebody else. And, and all of that noise is part of what teams have to sift through. But to answer the question bluntly, uh, Dory's question, Dan, anybody could have taken him, and anybody could have taken him, and, and then you negotiate. It's, it's not like, uh, you know, in the NBA, you're, you're going to the team that picked you, and, you know, you can work out whatever contract suits you within the, the you know, the CBA uh, qualifications, but any team could have done it. But, yeah, that's the kind of thing where his agent, Trace Jackson Davis' agent, the brother of, of Mike Dunleavy Jr., was putting pressure on teams to to not select Trace Jackson Davis because they were trying to get him to the Warriors, and it wound up working out. Yeah, and just staying with Trace Jackson Davis for a second, I, I don't think it's by accident that the Golden State Warriors, after taking two teenagers and Moody and Kaminga, and even going back to Weissman, and jury's somewhat still out on, on Moody and Kaminga. We'll find out just exactly how impactful they are as basketball players going forward. And Kaminga, uh, excuse me, the Weissman project obviously didn't work out. I don't think it was an accident that they took a, a 23-year-old rookie this year. Uh, I, I think that a guy that we talk about the high basketball IQ Four years, not only four years, but four years at Indiana under Coach Woodson, a guy that not only played at the NBA level, but coached at the NBA level. He was about as ready as far as making, quote-unquote, a seamless transition that you can get from the collegiate level to that of the NBA. Now, obviously, there's always risk involved with anybody that you draft, but I think that it was by design that they either wanted to balance out from going young kids who have a huge upside to take into somebody that's a little longer in the tooth, if you will, that maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but there isn't that level of, oh no, rookie mistakes, we got to deal with this again for another year, year and a half, maybe two years, depending on how long, before the game slows down and they really get this. We always talk about matching windows with the veterans and wanting to win right now, Steph, Dre, and Clay, and making sure that you get you know, players that you bring in, and if they're rookies, hopefully they're not somebody that is as green like that of a Kaminga after, you know, age 18 coming into the NBA. So I think it was by design that they got a kid. And again, I, I the fact that he has been so impactful, I oftentimes just wonder whether Steve Kerr's rigidity of just hanging on to sort of this old template of being old school, that you're still a rookie, that you don't get run until you know Draymond Green or somebody's down with an injury. Is there part of that going on? Whereas not recognizing that today's college basketball player, especially a guy who's at 23 years of age coming into the NBA, that maybe you, you don't necessarily have to look, 
look at him as far as playing time through the same lens as maybe some of the younger players that he's drafted over the last couple of years. See, I'd, I'd flip that and say he is giving him time. Okay. And he is playing, and, and he's playing, you know, the, even if it is five minutes here and, and ten minutes there, he is giving him time that, that other rookie players or younger rookie players would not be getting. And, and I think you only need to go back to Wiseman or Kaminga or Moody to, to see that that's the case. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis is more trusted right now. Well, Weissman than, started than, as a rookie, though, right? Than any of those. Than any, yeah, but he started because they were not on a contending team. Yeah, that's right. He, he started because Clay Thompson was out, and that team had no chance to win a championship. Uh, it, it, we, we saw how it was the next year when, when he came back, and the Warriors were – I mean, he was, he was barely playing – uh, well, he was injured actually, so he wasn't around at all. And then last year, he was barely playing at the at the beginning of the season when they were coming off of a championship, obviously contending for for a championship. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think when you look, so I, I think I think Trace Jackson Davis is getting opportunities. At some point, he forces the hand though of of Steve Kerr to give him more opportunities if he continues to be impactful. I mean, I think that's absolutely true. The only question I would kind of kick back to you would be, it's, and, and it's, you know, it's the age-old, if you want somebody to play more, well, who's going to play less? And, and you know, is it, is it Looney? Is it, is it Saric? I know the Warriors have played Saric some at four when they've had injuries, they've played, and they've played Saric and Trace Jackson Davis together a little bit. Is it Kaminga? That winds up being, you know, a player that gets less minutes. So, to to me, it's you know that's the the rub when you start saying you got to get this guy on the floor, you got to get this guy on the floor. It's in the place of who, and I, I would say certain lineups it might be Kaminga, others it might be Looney or or, or Saric, but it's not cut and dry. No, that's a good point, and I think that to answer that question, uh, until Wiggins gets it going. I might shave some minutes off of him. And Sarich, I guess it's one of those that you just have to defer to guys that are there every day and to know this game much better than me, and that is the Steve Kerrs and the guys that make these decisions. Because sometimes I'll see Sarich, and I'm like, he was... I think that in that game against Denver, you could clearly see that, especially early on, that Jokic was hunting out on a switch. He's like, oh... I got switched on to Sarge. Everybody get the hell out of the way. And I'm just backing him down. And there's, no, and there's not anything a lot of people can do. I mean, Looney can control him to a certain point. Draymond Green, as good as he is against you know, the Joker, he's still overwhelmed at times. But it was pretty one-sided when it was Sarge on a switch with Jokic. And my point being is that I watched that game, and, and I'm just wondering whether Sarge wasn't shooting very well from the outside. You know, just... I guess to the casual observer, I would say, give me a little bit more Trace Jackson Davis to answer the question as opposed to Sarge. But I think Steve Kerr would immediately clap back that, you know, there's things that he does as far as the rotation. He's a cerebral player. He's a veteran. And maybe it doesn't jump out at a stat sheet and or to the casual, you know, fan that's watching this that Sarge provides to a team. But I can just tell you that watching the game the other night, if – if, and I'm not saying bench Sarge or, and, and give all those minutes to Trace Jackson Davis, but seeing Trace Jackson a little bit more and maybe reducing some of the minutes for Sarge just sort of immediately jumped out at me. Well, and, and I think you, you answered it, in, 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 or at least the simplest way to, to look at it. It's, it's Steve Kerr picking certain games 
where Trace Jackson Davis maybe is a better matchup than Sarich. Now, Wednesday's an interesting one because you knew Trace Jackson Davis was going to play with Draymond being out, and then Sarich moved into the starting lineup as well. So Sarich basically started at the four in the in the game on, on Wednesday, which opened up the backup five minutes that Sarich had been getting to go to Trace Jackson Davis. So that was that was how they they kind of you know balanced it to, to get him on the floor a little bit more. I, I think what you're saying is, and I think this is this is the the tricky part for Steve Kerr. But it is the simplest way to look at it. It's it's pick the nights where when you are whole, maybe Sarich isn't the backup center and Trace Jackson Davis is o- over Sarich. And it's not going to be every night because there's going to be some nights in matchups where Sarich can go for 20 and you need that off the bench because you're you're lacking in some of the other secondary scoring. I, I, I'll give you one example, and I, I mentioned this earlier generally, but I'll be more specific. Go back to game two. So it was two weeks ago tonight, or two weeks ago last night, rather, in in Sacramento. And the Warriors did not play well. Their bench group did not play well in the first half of of that game. It was Chris Paul with with Peyton, Moody, Kaminga, and and Saric. And and the Kings, I think, went from being down three or four to being up nine or ten. And and then the starters came back in, and the Warriors were able to actually cut the lead and take the lead at halftime. They had a big third quarter. Part of that big third quarter... Steve Kerr went, did first half. Sarge was the backup five. Sarge didn't play well that first that with that first group. Second half, third quarter, Trace Jackson Davis was the backup five, and basically he he skipped Sarge. I think he only played him maybe one or two minutes, and then he said, "You know what? This is not working tonight. I'm going to go to Trace Jackson Davis for the final five or six minutes of what would have been Sarge's shift." And Trace Jackson Davis came in and banged around with Sabonis a little bit and, and bothered him some and really helped the Warriors, who had already taken the lead with the starters, push that lead up to close to 20 in the fourth quarter, and they were able to cruise in, in Sacramento and have enough of a cushion to where when De'Aaron Fox started going off in the final three minutes, they were they were still had a, a five, six-point lead and could, could hang on and win. But I, I think that's the other example of, you know, maybe it's Saric in the original plan, but if he doesn't have it on a night and there's a better matchup against a big like Sabonis, you give you give Trace Jackson Davis some opportunity opportunity there. I think the other thing that either Trace Jackson Davis, Pajemski, this goes back to Moody and Kaminga, and any rookie that's going to come in to the Golden State Warriors while you still have, you know, that Hall of Fame foundation of Draymond, Steph, and Clay, is that this is not Oklahoma, it's not Houston, it's not Utah, it's not Portland. In other words, Trace Jackson Davis, yeah, you're showing signs. Let's just let you play. Make your mistakes. Go ahead and, you know, we're in a rebuild. So you're going to get you're going to get an opportunity to play, you're going to get an opportunity to put up some points, and it's going to expedite your growth as far as being a a player we can rely on uh at the NBA level. The one thing with the Golden State Warriors, and this has always been the conundrum for for rookies that have potential huge upside, is that the minute you make that bonehead mistake, and Trace Jackson Davis had that one goaltending play, and if you play him and you make that rookie mistake, well, you're under a, a you have a much shorter leash because it's the Golden State Warriors, and that the Warriors don't have the latitude because they're a they're a win now team, and especially with the core in their mid thirties that you don't have the affordability 
to get on the floor, make your mistakes, whether it's Trace Jackson Davis, whether it's Pajemski or any other rookie that might be coming into the system. You just don't have the opportunity to grow and learn on the job. And you're going to be limited, I think, from the outset. And if you play well, incrementally, we'll give you more minutes. You'll eat what's on your plate. But the idea that let's just give him run because you know he's showing some flashes and he'll make his mistakes and we'll live with it because he's still just a kid and we have to you know, we have to recognize that. I think there's that balance of this is the Warriors. We're looking to win a title. It's sort of title or bust, and we just don't have a lot of patience for kids making mistakes at this level. I think it's something that's sort of baked in. I, I think it is baked in. I, I think, and look, Kaminga and Moody aren't rookies anymore, so I probably should, shouldn't include them in, in what I'm about to say, but I'm, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I, think Steve, you know, I, I think Steve Kerr trusts Trace Jackson Davis more than, than he trusted any of those players in, in their rookie or even second year, second years in the league at times, although both, especially Kaminga, had, had minutes carved out for him at the beginning of last year, and then he was so poor that, that they, they ended up you know, going in, in different directions in, in some of the bigger games. But what I'm getting at is this. I think there's more of a patience right now for, again, you're not going to play your 20 minutes, like you said, and make your mistakes and, and live and die, but I think the fact that Trace Jackson Davis is on the floor as much as he has been shows that Steve Kerr is is trying to give opportunities, but the pieces also fit better. And this is where I was going to relay it back to Kaminga and Moody, and I think Moody's been pretty good. But Steve Kerr, I think, is, I think he's gone out of his way to keep playing Kaminga in a bunch of situations where last year I don't think he would have. <laughs> and and the caller Dory mentioned how awful Kaminga had been really in four straight games in the first half and then was pretty good in the second half and, and helped the Warriors. I think in some of those games last year, Kaminga wouldn't have played in the second half. He would have had his spot skipped in the rotation, and and, and rightfully so. So the, the point I'm getting at, though, is – you know, you gotta you gotta give them more opportunities in the regular season to work through some things. And I, I think now and and again, this is your three versus rookies, but I think Steve Kerr's making a conscious effort to stick with the guys that they've penciled in as their top ten, and then Jackson Davis and Pajemski as the eleven and twelves. Stick with those guys, give them opportunities if even if they're not playing well, and don't make it an automatic. If you if you're not good in the first half, you're not going to get run in the second half. So I, I actually think watching the games to this point, there has been a little bit of an evolution over years past, and it's worked. I think the bottom line is that the bench is. Arguably the best in the NBA right now. The pieces now. also fit better together, I think, Dan. And you've got Chris Paul, who's out there as the glue holding it all together, which has just been, you know, we haven't mentioned Chris Paul a lot in the first hour here. But, you know, and he's another player that I would put in the category of, you know, he hasn't shot it well, but his impact on the game, really, in what, six, seven out of the nine, has been dramatically positive. Yeah, and what's funny is that the last time we did a show, and I'm sure you know people throughout the week in 95-7 the game talk about uh, his remarkable assist to uh, turnover ratio, and was <laughs> in that first play against Denver, sure enough, it was like his third turnover all season long. I think he, he tried to throw a pass to Steph Curry, and it, it got turnover. But yeah, he's been, if not the reason, certainly at the very top as to the turnaround with that bench play and the calming effect. And again, just making sure that the floor is balanced 
having a veteran on the floor that doesn't turn the ball over. It's it's night and day with this team. I, I, just to stay with Kerr, or excuse me, to stay with, with Paul for a second and Steph Curry, it was a little... I don't know if they've completely, when we talk about rotations and playing with one another, when those two are on the floor, especially late in the game, it still seems a little clunky. Because I know Chris Paul and Steve Kerr's either rewarding him or wants him out there. Like, you know, you may not start, but but you're going to close for us. And there were times in some key possessions late against Denver where I don't know where the hell Steph Curry was. He he typically would have the ball and and he's the guy that, you know, the offense is going to go through him, but it was Chris Paul that was handling and I didn't even I don't know whether he was getting lost behind Jokic and Gordon. I didn't even remember seeing him on certain half-court possessions and I I don't know that they necessarily have worked out the Chris Paul Steph Curry, especially late in games, this the rapport between those two. So, sometimes you got to let Chris Paul. I'm sorry. Sometimes you got to let Steph Curry cook in in those instances. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I think Curry was. And and look, teams are always going to try to take him away. Uh, and and I, you know the Nuggets. Michael Malone mentioned after the game on that final layup that was challenged by by Jokic when when Curry went for the two and the tie. You know they were they were hell bent on you're not hitting your step back three and Michael Malone admitted that after the game in the press conference he says the one thing we were not going to allow Steph Curry to do was get into his step back three to win the game right there on the spot if, if he wants to drive and try to hit a layup then we'll go to overtime or we'll take four three or four seconds left on the clock and, and try to go down and score ourselves and, and and win the game and so you know some of it is I think the way the Nuggets defend in in terms of trying to take Steph away I think the rest of it is Curry off the ball, and I think you know many that that cover and, and talk about this team. You know, Curry off the ball in certain situations is doing the defense a favor. <laughs> and I think there was you know when you have someone as talented on the ball as as Chris Paul is, you feel confident in his ability to get your team a good shot. That and, and I think. Ninety percent of the time, that's fine. <laughs> but you have Steph freaking Curry, who's white hot to begin this season. Maybe not as much in that game in Denver, six of seventeen. But he was he was knocking down the three ball in that in that game at a you know near fifty percent clip as he's been throughout the season. So sometimes I think the fail safe for the Warriors is just put the ball in Curry's hands and let him go to work. And he's shown as time has gone on that he's he doesn't need a screener. He he can go like, he can go get it on on his own, clear it out and and create his shot like the the LeBrons and the Durants and 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 those other players. Yeah, I was listening to some post game commentary following that loss to Denver, and there were and, and these are people that I you know I I enjoy listening to and they're pretty credible, and somebody was talking about well I'm surprised that Steph Curry didn't shoot a three. Typically in that situation, you're looking for the win. You're on the road, you know, just you're you're down two. Just just shoot the three instead of playing for the tie in overtime. That's you know, why did why did the Warriors want to design a play for him to, to shoot you know the conventional two? And I, I don't think that was by design, certainly with Steve Kerr. That was one of those Steph, here's the ball. And I think you got to tip your hat to KCP, who did a good job on him defensively throughout the majority of the game, if holding Steph to 34 or 35 points is considered a good defensive job. But yeah, you're right. Steph had the complete latitude. If you can find a crease, 
Because he was hunting for that step back. You knew he, he was, was just trying to shake him and just give me that little crease and I'll shoot the three, but it wasn't there. And you're right, KCP overplayed him. And I, I don't know about you, but I could live with that shot. A left-handed floater by oh, Steph. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, I was surprised play. he missed it. I feel like that shot goes in every time, oh, and man. especially late in games. I mean, how many times have we seen Steph get to the bucket for a two or even get to the free throw line late in games? I mean, teams have really tried to take the three ball away. The the good teams have tried to do it, and he's carved. He's carved teams up getting to the basket like that. When when he drove, I thought, well, he's got it. And then the shot just missed, and you know Jokic came up and I think challenged it to the best of his ability. I mean, to me that that felt almost like you know make or miss league can be jumpers, but you know make or miss league can also be floating left-handed layups in the in the closing seconds. I had, I had no problem to me, and and as far as the play, the play was get the ball to Steph, <laughs> and Steph's going to make the right play, and and he called his own number for the two and. Yeah, I, I think you can live with that every every day of the week. What maybe you can't live with, and we'll get to the call here, is some of these other possessions where Curry isn't touching it because he's off the ball and they can't quite get it to him, even if you love Chris Paul and his ability to facilitate as much as the Warriors do. Mark in San Francisco before the top of the hour. Hey, Mark. Yeah, gentlemen, I wanted two points I wanted you to comment on. One is... Davis gives us an inside post game we haven't had. So it's it's really another dimension that he adds. And also I think the bench is going to dictate on the matchups of the other team uh, from night to night. But the one thing Kerr has is he has a lot of depth and he's got a lot of confidence because these players can all contribute. Yeah, no, they, they, they can. And, and the Warriors, again, it's it's always a good sign, Dan, when you can look at a team's depth chart and it just – you're like, all right, that's your that's your five, that's your next five. Here's a couple more that are gonna, you know, maybe play some nights, maybe not others. You can fill them. You know, you know exactly who's playing if somebody's out based on you know who you've got. And I think Steve Kerr is probably as confident in that, even with the balance of young and old in terms of experience that that he's got on this roster. Yeah, and the caller was talking about, Mark was talking about how Trace Jackson is good out of the post. I don't know that that's necessarily true. He might be. I haven't necessarily seen him in the post with a drop stead or a turnaround. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah. We'll find out. But what he is is that he's athletic as a big, and the Warriors haven't had a lot of those where you can just throw that lob to a big yes. uh, and, and have someone catch and finish. Uh, the one play, I think it was rookie to rookie, where Pajemski threw that baseball pass to Trace Jackson, or, or he caught it and he spun and he finished in the lane. Um, the athleticism, I think, is what's jumping off the page when you talk about Trace Jackson. Yeah, it's he, and he's a good finisher. He likes to go up and and ram it on somebody. So you know, I, I think that's that's something that the Warriors haven't always had. All right, eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. One hour down. We got two hours to come. We're flying through here on a Saturday morning. It's John Dickinson. It's Dan Devone. It's Warriors this week here on ninety five seven. The game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.